Welcome to Unsilent with your hosts, Dave and Brian. This is not another current events podcast. We're digging deeper, diagnosing, and discussing what's really going on today, how we got here, and providing observations for future generations. Welcome to Unsilent. We're Brian and Dave. We're hoping you'll let us know where you think we got it right and where we totally missed the point which you can do by visiting unsilentpodcast.com. Now, let's get into it for today. Brian, what is on your mind now? Well, Dave, I want to ask you and talk about if we're destined to become a failed empire like Rome, if America is is going to head down the same path that so many before us have head down, and uh, there's certainly arguments for that sentiment, and there's a few against it. So what do you think? Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting to look at at the Roman Empire uh, just very briefly, very briefly. Um, the Roman Empire, the Roman, the whole Roman state lasted about twelve hundred years. There was a there was a prophecy at the beginning that said that it would last twelve hundred years, and about was about four hundred years. I think of that was a republic, and about eight hundred years was an empire. So the the amount of time that an organization, a country spends in those two states would say that if we are, then we're at the very, very beginning of that because we've only been around as a republic a mere 250-ish years, a little bit less than right. that for people who are keeping score. So it seems to me that there are a number of things pushing in that direction. Uh, you can certainly see in, in the Roman history and other histories, there, there's not too many histories you can look at of world-dominating republics that become empires because there haven't been too many world-dominating republics in history. Right. Uh, but what you can see when you look, for instance, at Rome is the is the growth, and we've talked about this before, the growth of the kind of a sub-state, the bureaucratic state uh, in the Republican era. And by Republican, I'm not talking Republican-Democrat. I'm talking right. about the, the Republic era of, the, of, the, uh, of Rome, to the point where it became so unwieldy, so unmanageable, that it really took something on the order of a massive crisis and, and essentially a scrapping of the existing order and putting that under one dictator a.k.a. Julius Caesar, and then the Caesars beyond him. And right. one of the fascinating things about that is the transition. To me, that's very fascinating because there was a provision in the Roman Republic for a temporary dictatorship. So Caesar became a dictator by law because of a crisis which vested one person under the auspices of the Senate to run the thing as a dictator for a very short period of time. And eventually, of course, we know that that turned into permanent dictatorships. So the question for us is, are we at such a state that the amount of, of bureaucratic uh, mess and overreach and entanglement in every area of society and inability to move forward will necessitate, now I'm not talking about morally necessitated dictatorship, right. but I'm talking about will, in order for this, this ship of state to continue on, can it continue on in this completely uh, overwrought and overburdened uh, form that it's in, or will it take an actual dictatorship, an autocracy to make that happen? And I think, historically speaking, it's, uh, I, I would give it a 50-50 chance. And I'm being optimistic. Yeah, I think you're being optimistic there. It, it kind of feels to me like some some of the 
again, using the word republic and Republican, not in political party, but as we are a republic, the United States is a is a constitutional or a representative re- republic, like whatever. In that term, it seems like we get a lot of the stuff we do now from Roman times. Like they had a Senate, they voted. And based on the history I've seen, which I don't know how accurate it is, I assume it's reasonably accurate. There was tons of corruption. There was tons mm-hmm. of tons of bribery. There was tons of nepotism and and you know me taking care of my tribe. And so I right. kind of wonder, are we are we destined? And it feels right to me. It feels very much like that's what's happening for us today. Now I imagine it, it always feels like that to somebody. I'm sure that there's never a moment in time where everybody feels like everything's fair. So I'm I'm granting that. But it does feel to me like we've we've got way more corruption, <clears throat> tribalism and politics taking care of my people, which in our current state, I would argue is, you know, ultra rich, ultra elite, you know, people right. with a lot of influence and power and money. Um, it does feel like that's on a different scale than it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever. So so I guess I wonder, um, is it that is it our need for that to to take power? Um, every inch of power that's given for us to when we have positions of power to take more and that leads to the corruption and why these representational republics are not sustainable or is it just because we have this driving need to be taken care of way, that that's way more urgent or compelling for us as humans than the desire to be free what what do you think it's both. I think it's both. I think there's there's parallel strands. I, I don't think a dictatorship can come around can can become uh, dominant uh, without both of those things being simultaneously uh, present. In other words, a growing, powerful, rich, uh, elite class, and at the same time, a a class of folks. And I don't mean class in terms of moral judgments. I'm just talking about mostly economic yeah. classes we're talking right. about here. A, a growing economic class that is willing to cede power and willing to um, depend on the state for its very support and survival. When You have to have both of those things. If you had one but not the other, it, it wouldn't work. Uh, a dictatorship wouldn't work. But I think you mentioned that we are at a point now that we haven't been like 20 or 30 years ago. And to illustrate that, I think we can look at two things. We can look at the Hunger Games. So let's yeah. take the analogy, right? So <laughs> yeah. in the Hunger Games, what do you have? You got the elite living in the capital and the districts having basically doing all the production and all that. You've got the rural and the urban. And yeah. in the capital is where all the power and all the money is. Now, you know the answer to this question because you're a smart, well-informed guy, but most people probably don't know where the 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 richest counties in the United States are, and for those I'm that don't, guess they're right around within a stone's throw from Washington D.C. That's my guess. Exactly right. They're the <laughs> they're the counties that surround Washington D.C. Now, the people that we send to Washington D.C. to work, we send there ostensibly not to get rich. We don't pay them enough. I mean, we pay we pay senators uh, a pretty good yeah. amount of money. The president makes a decent living, uh, but yeah. we don't pay them enough. For that to be the case. So what does that tell you? That tells you that just like the Capitol in, and I hope we never have a candidate named Snow that runs for president of the United States. That would be (laughs) far too weird. But, you know, who knows? But that tells you that the amount of power and concentration 
that's in the capital of this nation and just surrounding it is so overwhelming that it's not in the control of just the representatives and the senators and the various people that we elect to office. And that, yeah. that puts us in that first place you're talking about. Yeah, and it, and it seems, which we're going to talk about in future episodes, this these these crises that emerge from this level of, you know, for me, just looking at, uh, and I may have mentioned this before, and if I have, cut me off, Dave, but um, I, it's hard for me to picture an institution of any sort that is not corrupted, bastardized, band-aided, to the point where it's not functional. Uh, the you know financial right. institution, whether we're talking Wall Street or banking, uh, the legal uh, uh, institute, you know, whether we're talking about criminal cases or civil cases. Um, you and I have mentioned before, like it's not possible, probably, for the average citizen to go a month without breaking a federal law, for That's sure right. not a year. Um, so that seems like it's corrupted or bastardized or uh, butchered or whatever whatever word you want to use. Um, you know, there's just, there doesn't, infrastructure is a joke. Uh, like education, the education system is, we're not, we're not teaching so much as we're morally lecturing. Like that, that, right. that has been corrupted. Like it, it, I can't think of a single institution that's, that's holding up, including the institutions of government, the, uh, the, the, the executive branch has over the last 20 years taken way more <laughs> liberties right. with their authority. Congress has ceded their authority to bureaucrats. Um, then, and then never mind, we get into like the law enforcement and, and espionage type stuff where these unchecked uh, institutions are just running. It feels like they're just running wild. So, so we have these crises that, that kind of resolve those things in not very fun ways, which we'll talk about in the future. But um, is that just the inevitable course that people just take advantage of situations so bad they become non-functional and either we emerge from these situations in a dictatorship or so far we've been lucky enough to emerge from very cataclysmic things like world war ii the great depression right. the civil war those things with still having a republic intact in a very large geographic area that seems like the anomaly for sure is this just yes. destined forget the united states are these kinds of things like the united states and like rome just not sustainable because eventually people just tire of it. The grass is always greener. Well, I, I think it's not sustainable because we lead ourselves into this situation by being too successful. In other words, <clears throat> you don't hear much these days about the rise and the fall of the Lithuanian Empire. Well, <laughs> no, turns out in history, there was a time when Lithuania dominated all of Northern Europe. Didn't last for very long. Um, yeah. You don't hear about situations where there was there, things turned into uh, great, massive empires because they weren't successful. You hear of it because Rome became incredibly successful based on their ability to uh, assimilate people. And hey, guess what? Our our whole society is based on assimilation, right? I don't know where your ancestors came from. Mine came from uh, Ireland, mostly from Ireland. But really, uh, other than the Native Americans, nobody came from here. So we we are an assimilation society. So yeah. was Rome. Um, transportation, Rome, the the roads that the Rome built all throughout the empire, from down into to the southern tip, all the way up into into Gaul, <clears throat> you know, what, uh, where the, the, the Germans decided to, to overrun them. That's another story. 
All of these things made Rome incredibly successful. The trade that Rome had, the structure of the law. So they borrowed so much from Greece in the, the Greek way of thinking that was uh, it sort of superpowered. Rome superpowered Greek ways of thinking. And so they were very successful economically. All of these things made them successful, which then what does that do when something becomes successful? Power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. Absolutely. Absolute power right. corrupts. Absolutely. So when you put so much power and so much success in one place, it tends to burn itself out. And it, and when it burns itself out, then you get this desire to return back to that success. And eventually it's like, we've been great. We must be great again. We're going to turn to a strong man to, or maybe the dictator will be a strong, a strong woman to uh, lead us out of this and to restore that. And so you have that with Rome. You look back further. Why, why did um, Alexander the Great I mean, in, in the Mesopotamia or in the Macedonian area and Greece and all that, they still talk about Alexander the Great because right. he was so successful. So this is, this is this pattern of history that ends up repeating itself. And this is why our own success, we're the most successful country. I mean, we really are kind of an empire right now, economically speaking. Well, sure. we are, uh, yeah. you know, bar none. Yeah. So we're that kind of success leads ultimately uh, to a self-limiting principle that puts us in danger of becoming a military empire. That's really what we're talking about now. We're talking about yeah. the movement from a geographic, or well, not we're not geographically limited at all. Movement movement from an economic empire to a military empire. Yeah, for sure. Or or a data empire or a monetary control empire like there, there's a variety of limitations of movement empire like that kind of feels like where things are going in a more global sense with the who and the sure um world economic forum and and those it feels like they're more interested in taking control in in new more creative means i'll say to be, be polite, I guess. <laughs> creative yes um how does this, you know, for for the middle eighty percent again, not the ten percent fringe on the right, not the ten percent fringe on the left, but for the eighty percent in the middle, what does this, you know, how would you explain to our friend Kenny G, you know, however many years from now, sixty years from now, eighty years from now, what does this moment feel like as far as the the it does feel like we're on a bit of a precarious edge? On the other hand, we've been through these kind of things before, and we've always kind of emerged, although we've only been around for you know a couple hundred years, like you mentioned, so we don't have a thousand year history of right. of overcoming these things. But what what do you think? How would you explain to somebody what the mood is right now as it relates to are we even going to be a country in a few years? Are we going to be four countries or are we going to be part of China by then or like whatever? Well, I, th I think for most of our history, with notable times when we were threatened, particularly during the Civil War, particularly during a couple of years during World War II, uh, particularly during the first couple, two, three years of the uh, American Revolution. But I think for most of our history, we've had this belief in ourselves and a belief in, well, I don't want to call it manifest destiny, but there's that that idea that we have we have a special place and and yeah. this country is a special country i mean i still believe that's true though yeah. th there is a specialness here i think there is now really for the first time uh outside of a crisis era event i think we're at the point where we are questioning uh, as you and i are doing right here on this podcast right now we are questioning whether we have the survivability 
as that kind of, you know, city on a hill that Ronald Reagan talked about, do we have the survivability? That's what it feels like. It feels different than, for instance, when, uh, you know, during my youth, I was taught how to dive under desks because there might be a incoming Soviet yeah. ICBM. But right. We never doubted. Even in those days, there was there was that sort of vague fear of, of nuclear war. But we didn't really doubt that as a country we were supposed to be here and that we were going to continue and that we were going to overcome the evil empire and, and all of that. I think there is – I know there is because I pay attention to what the, the polls and the surveys say. Uh, there is a real question now about whether that – is now the case. Do people now really feel that? And that feels different for the first time in my life than yeah. anything I've ever felt before. Yeah, it it for me, um I, I'm not speaking for the 80% right now, just um for me it feels a lot of different things. You know, there's a bit of hopelessness. Like yeah. the, the the powers that are steering things and corrupting things and really taking advantage of situations and creating more power and influence for themselves are so vast and so massive and so influential and to have so much control. Part of me feels like it's, you know, it's, it's uh, the Terminator thing. Like it's us against yeah. the Skylink or whatever that <laughs> right. was called the Skynet or whatever. It kind of feels like that. On the other hand, it, it feels to me also like that kind of manifest destiny. Like you're talking, like you're talking about like, there's no there's nowhere else like this on the planet in the history of mankind. There's nothing else like this. Right. It has to survive because it is a special thing. Like we we do have a First Amendment that no other country has. We do have right. these kind of values that say, no, the individual does matter and personal freedoms do matter and and I deserve the right to to fail and and be successful and and uh, I should be able to overcome economic caste systems and things like that and I shouldn't have to be at the live my life at the whims of some kind of Politburo or dictator or something like that. On the other hand, I go back to, but then also, you know, 40% of the people under, I don't know, 30 or something like that don't even believe in capitalism and a free market system and, and, and do think that socialism and communism is a way, is the more appropriate way to go. And so even if we limp through the next 20 years or 50 years of my lifetime or whatever it is, beyond that, it feels like, well, if this is a, the trend, the way things are going, like, was well, this just a flash in the pan? So I, what what other feelings do you think are missing from that kind of hopelessness and and manifest destiny that you're talking about? Well, I, I think there's I think there's frustration because I think there is well I know there's frustration, uh, you know not not to yeah. make things about too much about what we're going through at this very moment, but at this very moment uh, that when we're recording this, nobody the vast majority of people in our country don't want the candidate from either of the two political parties to be right. the candidate. So it's like 74% say this, this election that's coming up has two people we don't want. Right. And yet, and yet here's what we have. So yeah. there's, there's, and I think there's a whole bunch of things. So that's just the, the, that's just the, the senile face of all that. But the, 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 the rest of it is that there are, there are so many things that we encounter that we say it shouldn't be like this. Right. We shouldn't. We shouldn't walk into. Uh, and this is not a right or left thing at this point. Uh, I mean, there are there are those those things are there, but we shouldn't have to walk into uh, amazing, you know, alabaster cities like Seattle or San Francisco or Los Angeles and see the level of human degradation and and rich multi gazillion dollar 
you know, industries and governments throw up their hands and say, there's nothing we can do. So there's a frustration yeah. level that accompanies this, uh, this mood that we have right now. And so for those that are in the future, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you see this coming? How do you know that you're, you're headed towards what we're in right now? Well, there, there's always this sort of slow boiling, you know, they talk about the frog in the pot that boils. So there's this slow heating up that we've been going through for quite right. some time, but there's a moment when the bubbles start to appear. That's the moment where we seem to be in right now. And we're looking around and we're saying, where, where did all these bubbles come from? Yeah, it's been a little bit warm, but we've yeah. always gotten out of these situations before. Where are these bubbles coming from? And this dawning realization that maybe we can't turn out the fire. Uh, what's the, the Billy Joel song? We didn't start the fire, right? Right. But is there, is there, and if you're in the future, you know, know who Billy Joel is, you really need to check it out, man. Yeah, anyway. at least he's got, at least I mean, he's got like four good songs. I don't know if he's at 30, but he's got at least <laughs> yeah, well, four. We'll so, go for it, yeah. So, you know, you're, you're talking about like the, the, like the vast majority of people don't want either candidate in the election we have coming up in, you know, 14 months or whatever it is. Right. Um, And the reason we don't have the candidates we want in large part, in my opinion, is because the parties have created rules where the candidate must come through the party. And so right. uh, currently there are parties who are saying this person cannot run under our flag in our party. And this per only these people can who we've deemed to be the correct people for people to choose between, which is absolutely absurd. Like the idea that a party which has no function other than you know, promoting candidates, they now get to have a large say in who's even eligible to run for office. This is, this is the kind of thing, like, it's just so corrupt and so bastardized and so dysfunctional. Like, who the F are these people to say who we can vote for in whatever state that they're in charge of? And, and it's all of our, but it's endemic of all of the structures that make up the main, you know, superstructure of society. So, yeah. Why is it that way with parties? Why are certain, you know, why did during during the COVID, you know, uh, uh, thing that we just went through, why were teachers unions saying teachers need to be staying home? Everybody else said right. get the kids back to school. Well, all yeah. all of our all the big structures of our society are operating at cross purposes to their original uh, function. The Federal Reserve in this situation, which is the central bank for those in the future, yeah. it, it, they're operating to a great extent at cross purposes. They're 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 doing things for a problem that they essentially created in the first place and. Well, I would argue they created the problem in the first place because they're responding to Congress spending trillions of dollars, and we yeah. either raise taxes or we inflate the currency or we start Pl plenty a war. of blame to Those go around. Yes. Out of it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's plenty of blame to go around. But but the the but the point is, of course, that the same disease, if you will, uh, is in the parties. It's in the big unions. It's in the big corporations. It's in the the big government, it's in, in every big institution has a self-preservation and a self-promotion uh, motive that goes yeah. beyond its original purpose, which, you know, corporations were originally formed. Why? Yeah, those so people that form them can make money, but do it by making people happy. 
I want to make Brian happy. Yeah. So Brian sends me money. That's the right. purpose of business. That's capitalism. That's free markets. Yeah. Now it's, I want to get my highly paid $250,000 lobbyist in front of Congress so they can pass bills that were not even in front of Congress in front of some, you know, mid-level bureaucrat in Washington, DC, so they can write rules that prevent my competition from even selling their product. So I can just yeah. rake in the money by default. It's all that same kind of, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's it's pervasive yeah and i would i would add self-righteous to the self-promotion and self-preservation list yes they all yes, think absolutely. that they're the moral arbiter of what right what should be and things like that let me ask you this like looking you know like you mentioned alexander the great is it possible that you know, these tech companies like google like the ceo of google will be the next alexander the great it won't they won't revolutionize the world in battle like with a sword and a horse Right, but they can still revolution. Like, it feels like we've mentioned before that some of these companies or NGOs or other organizations are more powerful than many, if not all, governments. Not combined, right. but individually, governments. Could it could it be that these are just becoming such big monsters that there's just even governments can't control it, and this is just a new era of not warfare and not like what we know as like muskets and swords and gatling guns and f-16s and whatever but the new war is going to be on that plane instead is it is it, is it just me to just feel like these are such insurmountable they, they have so much access to everything and so much control over everything and the only way out is just to like literally go buy 300 acres out in the middle of nowhere and live on, you can't even live off grid now i was at a thing this morning where they're explaining how <laughs> Solar works. You literally cannot even live off grid if you want to, if you're in any kind of, you know, urban ish area, like you have to right. be in the middle of the sticks and not people, people can't even know that you have solar to be off the grid, like <laughs> control everything, you know? Well, you know, I think to answer the question, Brian, I, I think what happens is like, if you look at, at the Roman Republic, let's go back to our, our premise here. Uh, the, somebody came through the Roman Republic, Julius, who became who, who, who became so popular and so, and was so charismatic that he, that people thought he could solve the problems. So I don't think it's necessarily any one sector. It could be somebody from business. It could be somebody from government. It could be somebody from big labor, big church, big anything. Yeah. It could, it could come from anywhere. But I, I think what happens in a moment where there, where, the, where this transition happens is I think there is a, there is such a hunger for somebody to say, this is all wrong and we're going to stop it tomorrow at eight o'clock and we're going to institute something brand new and we're yeah. going to do that to solve this crisis. And so that is, that's, and so I, I think it does come from, it, it probably doesn't come from the farmer in Eastern Washington, but it probably does come from somebody who's got access to speak to people. And that could be any of those, but it comes with somebody from somebody who's charismatic and who can get people behind them. But that's how yeah. dictators always are, right? Whatever dictator yeah, so you pick in history. How come, how come the, the, how can we never hear about anybody coming from big logic? Like why is it always <laughs> big pharma and big, big tech and, and you know, these, you know, big government. They're like, where's, where's the big logic guy or the, well, or the big caring guy? <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I, I think Big Logic wants to sit around and think about things and isn't interested in the emotional insanity yeah. of the where's, average. Where's Big Pragmatism? I want that guy. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, I, for, for a dictator to be successful, they've got to have a combination of ruthlessness 
and pragmatism and charisma. If you've got those three things, ruthlessness, pragmatism, and charisma, you make a good dictator. So, you so, know, I'm so Obama's going to be our, our dictator is what you're saying. We're going to do – and Obama's going to be our dictator then what you're saying is, is – <laughs> Well, he's too professorial. I don't think he would probably pass the muster. He he's probably got the other ones down. But well, yeah. and he's too old too. It's going to be somebody young. Yeah. It's got to be somebody ah, okay. who, who looks better. Probably has hair. I'm I'm guessing they have yeah, hair. Yeah. So yeah, I think you and you I are, are out, out for sure. Sorry, that's too bad. So you were talking about like the boiling of the frog and like when when the bubbles started appearing. And for me, it kind of feels like the bubbles started appearing when there's not even really consideration. I, I mean, and I mean, honest, like consideration that there's, there's speak of consideration, but there's not truly honest consideration of the citizens benefit on many of these things. Right. It's, it's, we're doing it for the greater good kind of stuff, but we don't really ever connect the dots on what, how, like, how are we doing right. it? What, what makes this the greater good? We really don't like those conversations, which right. means it's not really about those things to me. That's my take on it it kind of feels like that's where we jumped the shark. Like, like when we stopped thinking about, you know, the, the citizen in, what does this mean for their life? Like not right. in, you know, speeding tickets versus not speeding tickets kind of thing, but just overall happiness, you know, that, well, that, you know, what, what really, what really I think happens is when we stop talking about solutions for the purpose of helping people, but we talk about solutions for the purpose of getting ourselves in power. That's yeah. where the difference happens. So it, it, it might have been in the past with in, in this country with the two parties that they say, well, here's poverty and here's my solutions and here's your solutions and let's compare them and let's argue. And right. I think you're wrong because this, so the, the, this, all, this all happened. And, yeah. But it wasn't like you're evil, you're evil. Now what it is is let's, let's – Poll test and let's let's focus group test these phrases, yeah. see how they go across, and let's say anything to get elected or to get uh, the money to just say anything to get in a position of power. And once I'm there, if I still have an impulse to do something right, I'm going to try to do something right. But once I'm there, I want to stay there. So yeah. I'll still keep saying anything to maintain my power. So we got beyond solutions. Solutions now are just a convenient uh, cart to bring ourselves up to the capital to deposit us there. Yeah, and we and we talk about the solutions that feel the best and sound the best, not the ones right. that will actually work. Right. Or by any kind of we we stop measuring. So another another area I would say to tell when the bubbles start appearing is when we stop talking about measurable outcomes. Right. Like we stop talking about. Well, okay, we're going to do this new thing. What does this do to teen suicide? We're going to do this right. other thing. What does that do to obesity? We're going to do this other thing. What does that do to our, our morbidity rate? Like, like there's, right. we, we just stopped. We just started talking about feelings and yeah, of course this is the way it's supposed to be. Like we just, these, these assumptive kind of declaration right. that have no measurable, <laughs> there's nothing to measure that's to suggest they're right. It just, yeah, that sounds good enough. And those people probably know what they're doing. And so ultimately I kind of always end up going back to, it feels to me like it's the nimbyism. It's the, it's not my problem. We put people in place to make these kind of decisions and handle these problems. And yeah, I know they're corrupt. Yeah. I know they're getting money on the side. Yeah. I know it's not as functional. It's wildly inefficient, but all that's better than me having to deal with it. And then eventually right. it gets so dysfunctional that it lands in our lap and we have to do something really urgent and really abrasive and really, um, to, you know, we take these massive steps to get through that because we've seeded so much 
control. And we've seeded the the necessity, I would say, to consider outcomes and the citizens' benefit. Well, and we've we've seeded the whole discussion, like you say, we we've we've seeded the discussion of outcomes, but we've when the public buys into this idea, this tribalistic idea that, yeah, my guy's corrupt, but I like my guy and he's less yeah. corrupt than your guy. Your less guy's corrupt than your guy. Corrupt. Yeah, your, your guy is your guy's the. I mean, yeah. there's our election right now. My guy's corrupt yeah. and he's less corrupt than your guy. Yeah, my guy's then, a dog, but your guy's a slime ball. Like. Exactly. Well, and so it gets <laughs> down to instead of, we, we really don't have this grand discussion of ideas so much anymore, uh, except maybe in the podcast sphere, I suppose. Um, what we do have is we've got strict tribalism. Well, this is they, they've done studies where, for instance, there was uh, uh, one where where they interviewed college kids and said, uh, President Obama said this and this and this. They were actually talking about things that John McCain said. Yeah. And it's, oh, yeah, that Obama's really, really smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, no, actually, we were just kidding. McCain said, oh, McCain, those these are horrible ideas because McCain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. They're, they're evil. I, I so, saw similar things with Trump and Hillary Clinton, and I saw similar things with Trump and Joe Biden. And uh, um, I can't remember who the other one was, Trump and somebody else, but exactly what you're talking about. Did you hear so-and-so said this? And, oh, that's the best idea you ever heard. Well, actually, it was Donald Trump. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or exactly. vice versa. You know. Exactly. Well, it's it's become we're we're sort of a Marvel comic book universe. Our guy, yeah. you know, it, it's it's okay if our if our guy exercises, you know, uh, extreme, you know, extremely questionable things as long as it's in service of our greater good of what my side wants. Yeah. Of what my side believes, and and we don't question what our guy says. We question everything the other guy says, even if he says nice things or if he says things yeah. that are are going to be appropriate. So well, that's goes back to also intent versus outcome. I think like yes. Well, yeah, my guy's a, a piece of crap, but he he means well. Your guy, I don't care what he does well. That guy does not mean well. Like right. it, it really for me, it comes down to that that clear delineation between outcomes and and intent. Like our our tribe intends well, and even when we screw up really bad. We still meant well. Exactly. Your guy can't possibly mean well because he's evil. And even when he does something right, it's just because a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> well, so that's something that, that folks in the future have to watch for. When the conversation yeah. turns from here's an idea to this, any they want to push grandma off the bridge because they're bad people and all of their yeah. ideas are in service of evil. When when it becomes that, and it's not to deny that there's evil in the world, there's evil in the world, and there are certain things that people do that are evil. But if you understand everything through that through that lens of everything they do, who is not in my tribe, the others, everything the others do is wrong. Yeah. You can you can't but help. You can't help but get to a point where you're going to have uh, at, at best. Nobody cooperating with each other. At worst, people coming to blows. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And I, I think another sign where the bubbles are coming up as far as our, our empire changing significantly or being at risk of just, you know, failing altogether is when we stopped noticing or caring about really what I would call significant historical parallels. So I'll give you an example. I think it was 2020, right around COVID, you know, maybe June 2020 ish. I don't know. Plus or minus six months. I don't know when it was exactly. But Katie Couric, who was a, a known, trusted by many, um, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that I would say it, I trusted her or distrusted her. She's another face in the news to me. But trusted by many people, literally went on national television and said, 
people who don't believe this ought to be poor. When should we start considering putting these people in re-education camps? Those were her words, re-education yeah. camps. And there was not even a, a blip, let alone an uproar. And I'm like, wait a second, that language sounds pretty familiar. Yes, it does. Yeah, <laughs> There's, it does. I don't know the people who who were the Japanese people who lived here during World War II might think that that was not a thing that was cool. The people who lived in in Europe during World War II might think that that was not a thing that was cool. Like, and there was just there was not even like notice or right or if there was notice, there was not concern for sure. Like this yeah. was like whoa, we're in a space that we've seen historically that is very dangerous, and we just like nothing happened. It was bizarre. Well, and that's what you have to have to allow a dictatorship to come to power, to, to allow absolute power to come to power, is you have to have uh, an abandonment of certain shared basic principles that in other, in other eras you would never abandon. I mean, you would uh, – things like free speech, things like limits on, on, uh, on government. If, if, you, if you get to a point where you say there is no price that is too high to pay, there is no – Moral, moral that is too sacred that we won't violate it in service of our tribe. When you get to that point, then you are setting yourself up for somebody to come along and say, I have the solutions. Trust in me. Doesn't lay out the solutions, but trust in me. We'll get this taken care of together and let me do anything. And then you end up with. You know Mao and his re-edu- or Mao and his his great leap forward, and parents right. getting turned in by children for not thinking correctly, and millions upon millions getting killed. You end up with Stalin. You end up with all the rest of them. <clears throat> yeah, I heard a story. I don't know if I if I mentioned this before here. Stop me, but I heard a story about the Iranian Revolution in 1979, and the tribalism there got so, so severe that the story I heard uh, from a trusted source, I couldn't, I couldn't name who it is, but it was not like a, it wasn't something I heard on the internet. It was, right, yeah, it was yeah. a historian <laughs> talking about this. It might've been Neil Howe actually. I don't, I don't remember for sure, but um, talking about during the Iranian revolution in 1979, the tribalism being so severe, a mother put the noose over her son's head who was sentenced to hang for not following the new yeah regime the mother right. put the noose on her head as a as yeah. a sign of symbolism of of dedication to the cause and and it's like well we think well that couldn't happen here why <laughs> why couldn't right. it and, and this stuff you're talking about lean, leans into human traits which which seems to kind of steer us towards this which is laziness i don't want to deal with this so somebody else will and yep. just take care of me just give me a whatever my whatever my subconscious believes my fair piece is Right. Give me that, and I'm and I'm fine. Um, and self righteousness, like I just want to be seen on the right side of history, right? And and those two things seem to kind of lead us towards these dicta- dictatorial regimes. And so, I that's where I kind of go. It, will our DNA have to change for for people to truly be able to have freedom and not have to fight for it every couple of decades? Or or is is this just is this just the path? Like, is this just well, what, I, what I, life is supposed to be like? You know, it's it's repeated. You know, these patterns have repeated for thousands upon thousands of years, and you know, the, the founders of this country did the best job so far in yeah. creating a system of boundaries that would uh, hinder that. But when those boundaries, when nobody pays attention to those boundaries anymore. Yeah. Then we are we are not protected from following down that same path that every other uh, great power has 
has fallen on. It's just, it's just human nature. And, but I mean, it's self-correcting, but it's self-correcting after a lot of bloodshed. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did a great job on checks and balances, except for they forgot two key components. One is the bureaucracies. Yes. And the second one is the citizenry. Yeah. A, a, a check to keep the citizenry engaged to a, a, a reasonable amount to, you know, keep their eye on things. Right. And a check to keep the bureaucracies from just running amok. And like the, the, I heard another staggering statistic a couple weeks ago about the, the dollars and percent of our annual budget in this country that goes to black um, or dark or whatever, like military things that are like, what do they call them? Black ops or whatever. Oh, the, yeah. 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 The, 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 the super secret stuff nobody can know about, even our own legislators right. and representatives, and even the president in some cases can't know about these things. And the percentage and the dollars amount that, that went to that, that type of funding was unbelievable. I mean, just, yeah. and it's like, well, okay, if we have these people just kind of running amok, doing their pet projects that make themselves and their friends wealthy and get them all this influence and power and, uh, ability to control people by by setting snares for them and like you know all that kind of stuff like how could it go any other way like it, yeah it just yeah it's inevitable so what, do you, I, it, what do you think dave are we gonna are we gonna emerge from this in a few years as a as a having a renewed sense of patriotism or are we gonna go down in history as it was it seemed like a good idea or actually <laughs> it, if we go down in history that way it would be these guys were a bunch of buffoons. Who the hell they think they were? Of course, it can't work that way. Of course, it shouldn't work that way. Of course, we should all salute the emperor when he walks in. Right. What, what do you think? What's your guess? Well, I, I suspect I suspect we will become an empire of some sort. Uh, and the, I think probably, I mean, I, I would hope that we're able to preserve the republic. But on the flip side, I I, I suspect we're going to get an empire of some sort, and with and hopefully there'll be enough of the vestiges of the republic to have some restraint of the bureaucratic state. That's that's my best hope, but that's yeah. what I think is going to happen. So, how long until all that happens? You think? What's your guess on that? Um, well, you know the the Roman Empire didn't just happen. Only with Julius Caesar, because remember he was killed, right? Yeah. <laughs> knives, knives in the Senate. So, yeah. um, so that was, you know, so it, it took a little while for that to truly take hold. So, I think the catalyst events are probably in the next ten years. But if that, if it does happen the way that I suspect it would happen, then it's probably like a twenty twenty five year process to the point where you say. Oh, it's the American Empire, as opposed to you know there there was a while there there was a there's a period of time, several generations at least, that there were a number of of Romans of the of the great families of Rome that wanted to reestablish the republic, wanted the emperor to give power back to the Senate. You know the laws were still on the books, all of those things yeah. are still true. And remember, it took until Luke was a a, a beginning Jedi until. The um, until uh, Palpatine dissolved the Senate, so remember that too. That's, so it takes some true. time. It takes so some time need, before so, that happens. So that was only like uh, well, was a galaxy far, years. far away a long time ago. So that already happened. So that it was already, a long well, time ago to galaxy yeah, far, far away. <laughs> so we just have not learned from that history yet. I hear Apparently you. Apparently not. I, my guess is that um, 
based on what I'm seeing now and the in the level of dysfunction for the government on on things that you know, like we're seeing things in Maui and and the region oh, yeah. Brazil, we don't want to get into news topics. That's not our thing here. But based on how inept our government has become, I think it's going to begin letting people down in serious ways. And over a few years, people are going to relearn that you can't trust the government to take care of you because they're going to be so incompetent. Yeah. That even though they have all this power, they're going to completely F it up and yep. not be able to do anything right. And people will learn the hard way. Unfortunately, you can't trust the government to take care of you because they're not any good at anything they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> That's my guess. All right, Dave, did we cover everything? Is there any, is there any hidden nugget we didn't get to for Kenny G? Oh, uh, well, I think we've, I think we've given our friend from the future some good things to watch out for and to, uh, to be aware of as human yeah. history, as the wheel of human history turns. Yeah. Well, for those of you listening who are not in the future, uh, if you think Dave or, or I or both of us are not explaining what this current moment feels like accurately, that's where we would love to hear your input. Of course, uh, we're not expecting people to agree with our, our philosophies on things or our political you know, slant on things. And that's not what we're really looking for for us to tell us we're wrong there. There's no shortage of that kind of conversation out there in the world right now. But are we describing accurately what this moment feels like? And if we miss any critical pieces, please chime in with that. Go to unsilentpodcast.com to find out where to, where to do that or anywhere you find us on Rumble, for example. Uh, you can chime into this video there as well. So until next time, this is Dave and Brian signing off. See you next week. Do you want to be unsilent? Make your voice heard on our social media channels and share where you think we got it right or wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com for social links so you can join the discussion. 